You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Live from my closet. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave. I hope you're doing okay, staying safe, staying healthy somewhere. This is a very special episode. We've been taking these master classes that we've been doing, which are Q&A sessions that we record live over Zoom with experts in e-commerce. This one was with Kurt Elster, had him on the podcast. He was actually the first episode of this podcast. And this was an awesome discussion about an hour long going deep into e-commerce marketing. So we ripped the audio for it, grabbed it for you here so you can listen on the go for the e-commerce marketing show. Here's the masterclass with Kurt. And by the way, you can check out all of our other masterclasses, future sessions, stuff we've already done. It's really cool. It's a great resource for you if you're an entrepreneur. Privy.com slash masterclass. I'm in the closet right now. I haven't set myself up nicely like you have yet, but that's okay. I saw you put out a video actually about how to get a nice little home office set up. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier than a lot of people realize. It's like, all right, if you've got a lamp and an external webcam and you just place those nicely, you're already doing like way better than most video setups. Maybe I'll have to watch your video more closely (laughs) after this. (laughs) We have an hour, which is going to go by super fast. But basically, let's do a quick background. My name is Dave. I'm the CMO here at Privy. And I have Kurt, who is an amazing guy, Shopify expert. He hosts a podcast that I listen to religiously, the Unofficial Shopify podcast. But what we want to do at Privy is go a level deeper on e-commerce. And so we put out a bunch of content. We do podcasts. We do all this stuff. But we want to start bringing on experts like Kurt to really go deep once a week. And we figured now is more important than ever to actually go and share some of the tactical, practical stuff that people are actually doing. So this is Kurt and I on Twitter. If you want to hop in and say, hey, we should be having this content everywhere. So feel free to tweet along with us as we go. By the way, Kurt, I did want to give you a shout out because I saw that you guys cracked the top 50 of business podcasts. So shout out to you. Do you know Thank it? you. I appreciate it. Do you have any sense of why? Is it just like people are turning to Shopify right now because of all the craziness in the economy and like they're digging your show? I think there's a lot of people who are turning to entrepreneurship as a way to bolster their income or hedge their bets. If your Shopify store was your side hustle, well, now more than ever, you've got a strong incentive to be like, hey, can we scale this thing up? I feel like you've mentioned that before. Like in January, you guys see a big spike. And then, you know, when people are coming up and trying to build new stores, and then probably now with everything that's happening in the job market. So, anyway, just quick plug for your show. So, we have a ton of questions that we got from our audience. And so, we're going to dive into them. We'll rapid fire. You and I can riff on these things together. But really, you're the talent. I'm the host. So, here we go. Question number one Kurt, what advice do you have for a company that sells products that people aren't buying right now? How can we maintain our business? So, there's a few strategies you can go there. And I'm going to try and base as much of my answers as I can on real life things I have seen clients and merchants do in the last month. So if you are lucky and you can pivot to meet a supply shortage, absolutely 100% that's your best bet. I have so many clients who are making or sourcing masks right now. We have a detailing client, Adams Polishes, who now is manufacturing hand sanitizer, surface disinfectant, and hand soap. Wow, that's awesome. So if you're in one of those spaces where, okay, you could pivot your supply chain or you could source that stuff, fabulous, do it. Alternatively, if for whatever reason you're in a space where you go, there's absolutely no way we could pivot or we want to hedge our bets, 
until we could pivot to something else, then I think the answer is focus on audience building and audience retention and getting that audience because it will help dramatically. More eyeballs than ever are on social media. So you can really try and get that engagement. I love that you mentioned that because I think there's a false belief that if your customers are not buying right now as a business, that you don't have anything to offer them. And I actually think like, this is the best time to go and invest and build an audience through content, through video, podcast, email, whatever, because at the end of the day, people are going to buy from brands that they know, like, and trust. And so the way that you know, like, and trust brands today is through content. So now's your opportunity to go out and really focus on content if you know your number one priority isn't sales right now. But Kurt, my question for you is like, you know, I think content is a popular topic among Shopify store owners. I saw you had Brian Dean talking about SEO recently. Like, how should I be thinking about if I'm a Shopify store owner? I haven't done anything with content yet. I have a store, I'm selling stuff, but I haven't really dipped my toe into content. Like, What should I go and do and where do I start? How do I pick a channel? How do I build an audience? The thing I wouldn't do is take the shotgun approach. Don't try and get on every platform all at once. You're just going to have limited success and tear your hair out, drive yourself crazy. I would instead focus on either, you know, maybe of the channels you have, there's one that you're already starting to see success and traction. Maybe it's like, all right, well, I know I've got a thousand page likes on Facebook and nowhere else. Okay, maybe that's the place you should start. Or it could also be around format or medium. Like if there's one thing that you're really comfortable with, do that. Like if you think, oh, I should blog and write guides, that's great content. But if you hate writing, if your team doesn't like writing, if you're not set up for that, you're just going to make yourself crazy. So I would say engage in a little self-care, have mercy on yourself and try and figure out the thing that you like. You got some free time. People appreciate creativity. You can tell your story, but go with the method that works best. So for me, I can write, but I don't love it. So blogging and newsletters aren't great for me, but I can speak extemporaneously. So podcasting made a lot of sense for me to do podcasting. Maybe you have a video production background or want to get into video. Oh man, that's such an engaging format. If you're thinking about video, you've already got everything you need probably. You got a phone, a smartphone, they shoot 4K. You can get free editing software and a book I highly recommend is How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck. I love the title of that book, but that was the book that took me to the next level with video production. One of the things that you talked about on our podcast when we had you on a couple months ago was this whole concept of like, forget content strategy. The best thing you can do is show your work in public. Oh, I love it. Yeah. We have an interesting position right now in marketing. You know what's top of mind for everybody, which means... If you can be empathetic to your customers, if you can be real and raw and authentic, you can get out there and go, hey, look, we're having a hard time right now, truthfully, in our personal lives, because probably most everybody is. We're having a hard time professionally. A lot of businesses are struggling or hurting or seeing a downturn with a few exceptions. And it is perfectly okay now more than ever to go out there and share that with people. I think the brands that have led with empathy and candor have really excelled in getting their message out there and building that relationship with that customer. And maybe that results in sales now, maybe that results in sales later, but there's no way going out and being human is going to hurt you. I think that's the key takeaway I want people to have here is now more than ever, be human in your marketing. I think this is where, because of my background, I I get a lot of messages from B2B kind of software vendors and those messages have been very like the stock photo version of a message, right? Which is very vanilla. It comes across as tone deaf, doesn't it? 
comes across as tone deaf. Where I would rather, if you're a brand, I would rather you email and say like, look, you know what? I'm going to be honest. We're scared of shit right now, but here's the deal. Like that is such a much more appealing message than like not being a real person. Have the same conversation, like the same conversation I'm having with my wife and my mom and my friends, like right now in the world is the same conversation you should be having with your customers. And that's where you just have to figure out how does your product fit into that? I like that phrase alone together. Everyone is experiencing the same thing right now. So just as you know, I've had better conversations with family, friends, and my neighbors in the last month than I ever have before. Like there's a silver lining. The same goes for clients and customers, where it just is so easy to connect with people right now. And a lot of us, like I'm an extrovert. Oh my gosh, I get excited when I get an unexpected phone call now because I'm thrilled at the prospect of connecting with another human. So I'm not saying like, don't take advantage of that, but there's an opportunity there. Have you seen the latest data about phone call volume? No. I mean, I'm just headline reading. I saw it in Twitter from tech meme earlier, but it was something about like the volume of phone calls right now is 10x the magnitude of the calls during like Mother's Day. And so everyone is back on the phone right which is super interesting. Let's go to the next one. We've seen a spike in new business due to COVID-19. How do we keep things going after things return to normal? So like a spike now, how do you turn that one-time traffic into repeat business? I mean, this is the ultimate key to success of building an e-commerce brand, but like this is in your wheelhouse, Kurt. Take us there. (laughs) So certainly, I think I want to preface this question with, they said, how do we maintain this after things go back to normal? Things are not going to go back to normal. This is the new normal. Like life is forever changed as of right now. So yeah, things are in flux. But at the same time, like if you are lucky enough to have a business that experiences a traffic spike, well, I would still be doing the same things you would do anytime that you've got some event, you know, maybe you got featured on the news, whatever it is, and try and capture and retain as much of that drive-by traffic as you can. So like, yeah, you see the spike in orders and those are your customers. And I'm sure you already have systems in place to treat them well. But what about all the people who just visit the site and bounce? Well, okay, that's where email is an own channel and is your very best friend. So having privy pop-ups, I always like to make sure I do too, like a welcome pop-up on scroll get the engaged people. So I fire it when they scroll to 50%, 25, you you can experiment with it as opposed to a timer. And then one on exit intent. And then if you get fancy, you do like the cart saver, different exit intent offers. But the theme here is going to be on audience building. So focus on capturing those emails and then do something with them. Like make sure you've got a welcome series in place where you can connect with people, share your story, ask them to reply to you. Make sure there's someone there who can reply to people's questions because maybe there was some issue they had that stopped them from buying. You want to be able to bust those objections. And probably a good time to have live chat on the site as well for exactly the same reason. You know, I want to hear from the people who don't buy and why they didn't buy just as much as I want to hear from my customers who did buy. Well, live chat is like probably the best way to hear from those folks. And at the same time, like certainly you want to combine that with remarketing ads where, okay, yeah, they visited the site that showed intent, but they didn't buy. All right, well, can we increase the total number of touch points and start trying to build a relationship with them? Because it's 100% what this is, relationship building, where familiarity breeds trust. I also feel like that's a killer playbook, but like, even if you don't, you don't have to have that playbook all mapped out. Like start by capturing emails now and you can actually figure out what to do with them later. Like the one-two punch might be the welcome pop-up and then the exit intent pop-up. If you don't know what to say, everything I said, if I had to do only one thing, it would be focus on just capturing the email, do the bump. Maybe you don't have Facebook ads remarketing set up, but what you could do is just set up the Facebook pixel and set up an audience 
And okay, there, if you spent the 10 minutes on that, well, at least you've got yourself in a place where you could start retargeting to people within 180 days from now. You're right. We have limited time and resources to implement these things. I hate when, you know, merchants get overwhelmed with so many great ideas that they do nothing. I get like first key takeaway, the overarching theme that 10,000 foot view is build that audience and build engagement and try and turn that into a community. And then second, all right, the fast track to that is capture emails, however is reasonable. It feels like there's a huge opportunity for content from your customers and your audience right now. Like they're user generated content. Yeah. I just hate saying that word. It just sounds UGC. Yeah. It's very technical. But like, let's say you're not thinking about, you know, repeat purchases right now. You're just like, I made this thing. I'm trying to sell it right now. People are home. It does feel like the opportunity is like, you almost create this like viral loop, right? Because you sell something, somebody buys it, they get it at home, they post a picture of it, somebody else sees it. That even if you're not ready to make an additional sale or sell another product or upsell or whatever, that feels like the basic loop that everyone could have. Even if it's like you have seven followers on social media, if you can just have five people that take pictures of your thing and post it out there, you can then just put those tweets on your website. Now you have such a more compelling story around around your website also. That's social proof. Social proof is huge. Um, Chubby's is good at this. They sent out an email, I think it was last Friday. It said, uh, be our first stay at home influencer. Like they had a, a clever way of phrasing it. Or stay, stay influencer was how they said it. Stay influencer. Um, and I thought that was, that was so great. I, I screenshot it and shared it on social media. Um, yeah. But yeah, now like... A, we're trapped at home. We're looking for creative things to do. I think a lot of people are creating more content than ever. So if you give them the opportunity um, to share that with you as a brand, and you've got like those, those VIP loyal customers who are happy to do it. Well, for them, it's like, Oh, thank God. You just gave me something to do. Um, what, what, what do you think? What do you think the, 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 the biggest mistake that companies are, are making overall right now? Is it, is it a, is it a tone thing or is it a, is it being afraid to sell? Like, have you seen like a, a kind of repeat thing that, that you've seen among e-commerce brands? Well, I'd say number one is making decisions out of fear and a hundred percent. Like it, it's scary. Everybody has anxiety right now. Um, but you want to try and be mindful of, okay, if I'm making a decision, why am I doing it? So if it's like, you know, Right now, Facebook ads are cheaper than ever. Well, part of the reason they're cheaper than ever is because a whole bunch of brands panicked and just cut their ad spend. But now Facebook ads are cheaper than ever and there's more eyeballs on social media. So wait, your sales are going to go down guaranteed when you drop your ad spend entirely, right? Um, so I'd say, you know, try and be, be cognizant of that. You know, think of your expenses in terms of investments versus expenses when you're doing that those cost cutting measures. Um, and I would say, you know, it's, it's not necessarily business as usual. You, as much as I don't want to talk specifically about COVID-19 coronavirus and the pandemic and stay at home orders. So I'm just going to lump those into a category called the bad thing. You still have to address the bad thing. Like everyone who lands on your website is going to wonder, are they even shipping right now? So like I've seen so many Shopify stores that have an announcement bar at the top that says like, yes, we are still shipping. I think it's, you have to, in some part, address what's going on right now. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like th- that to me goes back to just a great marketing principle principle, which is like, you always want to try to address the, the beliefs or you, I want to, I want to try to get inside your head and, and say what you're going to think before you have an opportunity to say it yourself. So like spell it all out and get, get in front of it. Um, all right, Kurt, here we go. Here's another one. We've seen a spike in traffic in recent weeks, but people aren't converting. How can we take advantage of increased traffic? So maybe before you answer the, how do we take advantage of increased traffic question? Like if, if somebody has a spike in traffic and they're not converting, how do you, can you break that down? Like how you would start to diagnose that? Cause it's really, it's usually not just one thing. Yeah. So, so I would, you want to know what their objection is. And so uh, having live chat on the site is a great way to try and figure that out. Um, and then your other option is uh, an exit intent survey question. And I love Hotjar for this. And you can use Hotjar's free plan to do this. Where uh, on exit intent, on desktop anyway, they get uh, a pop-up open that says, hey, if you didn't make a purchase today, why not? What stopped you? And people are going to tell you what their exact objection was. So now, all right, let's say I get even 30 of those. I can go through it and rapidly figure out, okay, what's the number one concern? Well, if they told me it's price or it's cash flow, something that fact, all right, maybe I should offer financing on my site to meet that objection. Maybe I need to do a better, a better job of explaining the value proposition. Um, until you know why they're not converting, you're just working in a cave with a candle trying to figure your way out, throwing darts at a like it's not going to work. Um, so say, number one, ask them, find out why they aren't converting. Uh, but at the same time, use those audience retention strategies that we talked about uh, earlier in terms of either trying to capture, use remarketing, try and use pop-ups, um, abandoned cart emails, browse abandonment, whatever you have, whatever tool in your toolbox uh, to retain those visitors. Are you, are you seeing, like, what are you seeing across the board uh, from, from maybe your clients? And I, I know you've been doing a lot of interesting stuff with, with Clavio and, and a bunch of other people. Um, are, are you seeing a spike in traffic and decreased conversions or a spike in traffic and increased conversions? Like, what are you seeing? What, do you know any, do you feel like there's any trends or is it based on industry? So it is wildly dependent on what your vertical is, where you sell, how long it's been since the pandemic began and um, who your customers are. So like, it's so hard to give a general trend, but the, some interesting things we've seen is people under 45 are making more impulse purchases than they normally would. That's retail therapy, right? They're doing, doing shopping yeah. therapy. Maybe they're like, Hey, I'm spending less on going out and gas. Okay. Well I can divert and I just canceled a trip. A lot of people are diverting that cash into online purchases. They're buying things to make themselves feel better. Like, uh, you know, I bought this sweatshirt a couple weeks ago for that reason. Um, and they're buying home goods to improve their space. Home goods are doing extraordinarily well. And they're buying stuff that makes them feel safe and secure. That's why we saw a run on toilet paper, guns and ammo. Um, and, but also why people are you know, buying uh, plants and seeds and gardening equipment online now. They're, they're planting what are essentially victory gardens. Do you think, do you think there's going to be, I'm just, this is completely separate, but like, do you think there's going to be a, a permanent shift in consumer behavior? Like, are there things that I wouldn't have bought online before that I now I'm going to like, what's your take on what this means for a consumer behavior? I, th- I think so. I mean, it's, we have changed for a majority of people. We have changed how everybody lives. So I think more people 
like try and buy a webcam or an inexpensive podcast mic on Amazon right now. All of them are out of stock because suddenly you have a whole bunch of people creating media or doing video calls that didn't do it anywhere near as seriously before. Or uh, have you, have you happened to buy a bird feeder for your house? Right. Like I never owned a bird feeder before, but this week we bought a bird feeder. Um, so it, it, it has those changes. Um, but I think like to your point, it's important not to think about this as like, this is a temporary thing and there's going to be an end date and that's the cutoff. And then we go back to way, the way we lived. This feels to me like um, 9-11. I hate to bring up that specter, but it, it feels like 9-11 where this is going to change life as you know it to some degree for a decade to come. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, if, if you're listening to this, most likely you're in the e-commerce space in some capacity. And like, as, as gray of an outlook, like we have right now for the world, I do think like the, the one thing that has been a good distraction for me personally is like, I'm going to work every day and I know that I'm part of a company and in an, in an industry that actually has an opportunity to thrive right now. And so like, despite the 100%. chaos world. I, I get excited by going to work because I'm like, you know what? This market is going to be booming and like everything sucks right now. I'm, I'm happy that I'm not in a bunch of other different industries. And I do think like that that's the one thing that you, that you should take with you that might not show up in the news every day. If you're in e-commerce right now, you that should be like your mantra when you feel anxious. I tell myself, um, less the last two weeks, but like the first two weeks of, of stay at home, I had to develop a mantra because the anxiety would come in waves. And part of that mantra was e-commerce is close to the money. So right now, e-commerce is a lifeline for so many people. E-commerce represented 8% of retail previously. And sure, retail spend is down and consumer confidence is down. But all of it, nearly all of it, with the exception of like groceries, had to get shifted into e-commerce. So e-commerce is experiencing this incredible surge right now. So if you are a merchant, no matter what you're selling, um, you should relish in the fact that you're in a space where you can continue to operate, hopefully. And if not, you could pivot um, and uh, thrive and genuinely help people in the process. All right. So I'm going to, we're going to a bunch of questions. So, so keep putting in your questions, Hillary, Modupe, Brittany. Uh, I see, I see them all. We are going to have time at the end. I want to get through two more questions with Kurt and then I can just go through all, uh, all the questions that, that we got here, which is, which is awesome. Uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. We're, we're a retail business that's starting to sell online for the first time. What advice do you have, uh, for, for somebody new selling on Shopify. I wonder if this is different given the environment, but g give us your kind of basic new advice for a retail business. Well, I could tell you, so retailers view e-commerce as a different animal and you shouldn't. The experiences, the training, the teachings that you have in your store, you want to try and like metaphorically translate those to e-commerce. So try and make it as easy as possible for people to find your stuff. And you like by virtue of having a retail space, you interacted with your customers face to face. You already know what their questions were. So make sure that all of those common questions and objections get answered in your products descriptions or in an FAQ. Um, when someone enters the store, you say, Hey, what brought you in today? All right, well, this is the department you're looking for. 
you could do the same thing with your website by making that main menu exclusively about shopping. Yep. This is like the biggest mistake I see Shopify merchants make is not focusing on their um, the ease of use of their navigation. And the simplest way out of it is that main menu should be every link on there should either go to a collection or a product. If it goes to anything other than that, it should go in a footer menu, a top menu, some kind of secondary menu that's not that main menu. I love that because I think that that almost changes how you think about your website, right? It's like your your homepage in e-commerce is almost more like a splash page where the goal is just to like, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we look like. Here are the products. Like, as opposed to having to worry about what's the, what's the point of even having a website? It's not a website. It's a store. That'd be like if the door was locked in the front and you find your way around to try to figure out like yeah. how to act in there to see your stuff. And I think the, like one way to think about it is Someone visiting your homepage is it not them walking into your retail store. It's them walking past the storefront until you get them to a category or product page. Then, okay, now they have, we can think of them as having entered the store. So try and get people to a collection or product page as quickly as you can. And that we've seen over and over that will dramatically increase uh, conversion rate. Yep. Well said, Kurt. Uh, okay. Last one. Then we'll go to the Q and a. Ooh. It's a good question. What's the best offer we could be running to get people to shop? Discounts, free shipping. What's your What's your offer of choice? So I will say, um, my clients that have seen the highest revenue in the last six weeks did it through flash sales, and part of it was early on. They, you know, no one knew what was going to happen if they'd be shut down. So I think a lot of people said, "Hey, let's turn inventory into cash." Um, and especially if like you've got a great margin, this makes this easier, but the people who ran like 48 hours, 72 hour flash sales. So it's time boxed. It creates urgency and they put, uh, you know, all or a majority of their store on, uh, a, a steep discount, like black Friday style, um, as steep as 40%. Wow. They did some serious numbers. People are bored and looking for deals and doing that retail therapy. So if you give them a reason, an opportunity like that, like 48 hour, 40% off flash sale, that will do dramatic numbers, especially if you're, you're lucky to be in a place where, okay, you've already got a big email list that's engaged or you've got a social media audience. Um, but at the same time, I understand like discounting is not for everybody and you're just chewing through your profit margin in the process. Um, the, the other thing I would look at uh, that does dramatically well and you can also like do that at limited time. I love these time box offers uh, to create urgency is free gift with purchase. Um, on Shopify Plus, this is easier. Or if you're not, there's apps that'll take care of this for you. But doing like an exclusive item that is only available as a free gift with purchase. And you just say like uh, orders over $25 or $50. Whoa, those offers do really well uh, as well. Do, you ever, do, you ever, do people ever, I don't know that much about e-commerce yet, but... Do people ever like swap that out? Because wouldn't that be cool if your if your gift was like a rotating thing based on what, like a theme or season? Like, do people ro- do like a limited run of a certain type of product and make that, or is it usually like a consistent like a upsell that they basically just remove the price on? Uh, I've seen it done both ways. When it does really well, is when it's like a unique limited product that changes out. So, um, like our client Hoonigan on for Black Friday or in December for a week. They did. You got a free lapel pin with every purchase over 25 bucks and the lapel pin changed every day and then was never available again. 
So that way you really got like those repeat purchases because if the next day it was a pin that you're like, oh man, that's the one I really wanted. Okay, now you got to go back and make another purchase. So like it gives you, the free gift with purchase is great because it gives people a tailor-made excuse to go, oh, I was thinking about buying that, but like now I got to buy it to get the free gift or I'll miss my window. Love it. Yeah, having it be like a unique one-off exclusive item really uh, makes those offers work better. And that, that just goes to like marketing principles, right? The same way that a time box works, you know, scarcity, urgency. Um, urgency that's and your, scarcity, your two best friends. Sure. Uh, all right. Let, let's hit, we're going to, we're going to go into some of these questions and make sure that we get your, your money's worth um, here. All right, Kurt, how do you, you talked about live chat. How do you use uh, live chat to, to interact with people who don't buy? Well, that's where um, the, the the question to ask, you have to prompt them, and I think the the question to ask is, uh, hey, you're if you did well, number one, open with customer service. Hey, do you have any questions about the products you're viewing? Um, or I like the exit intent pop up that asks, uh, if you didn't make a purchase today, why not? And it depends on which live chat widget you do. Some will let you pop it up on exit intent or pop up if they've uh, there's been delayed activity or they've been on a page like after sixty seconds you open it. Um, you can have ex- exclusively on the cart page. It's really just going to be dependent on um, that live chat, like which live chat widget you use. Okay. Um, let's do this one. It's from uh, Alan or Alon. Shout out to you, Alon, Alan. They call me Dave or Dave sometimes, so I'm sorry. Um, what, products <laughs> would, what products would you suggest other than supplies right now because of COVID-19? So, uh, Home goods are doing extraordinarily well. Um, anything that makes people feel safe and secure, and that's like, like I have a friend with a, a client who sells microgreens. I have never seen sales numbers like these microgreen people did. It was just utterly extraordinary um, because that's a, again, it's like, well, if I can make my own food, suddenly I feel safe. Try and buy a bread machine right now. It's like one of the number two selling products in the country. It's unbelievable. Um, so there's a lot of things you would be surprised suddenly sell really well. I'd be willing to bet like ring doorbells and nest cameras are probably, uh, exploding. So stuff around like home security, but if it makes me, if it makes me feel good, safe, secure, confident, all of those things are, are good sellers. Same with like toys, games, um, you know, board games, puzzles, hobbies, all that stuff is is doing really well at the moment. Okay. Some of these are too specific for you. <laughs> yeah, they're very, you, you get those edge case questions. <laughs> Which are sometimes fun to answer, but I always like... Uh, a lot of questions about live chat. Who do you recommend for live chat, Kurt? Well, so if you're on Shopify and you don't want to spend any money to add live chat to your store, you could just add the Facebook uh, Messenger channel. We'll give you free, easy live chat right away. Um, but if I had to pick like live chat as part of a larger customer service approach, uh, I think gorgeous can't be beat. Gorgeous is really good. Um, but live chat's one of those things where there's a lot, a lot of them out there and I don't, I can't necessarily keep up. Yeah. Uh, well, this is, this is a follow-up, but also something I just thought about. Um, have you seen, do people do uh, abandoned cart like with live chat? Like, you know, somebody goes to, somebody goes to add something to the cart, they leave. Could you pop a, a live chat message? Have you seen people do that? You know, we used to do it with many chat, but then Facebook changed the rules and how you can approach it. 
Um, but when we did it with many chat, like an abandoned cart sequence in there and the conversion rate on it was insane. Like depending on the store, it was as good as one in three recovered. It was wow. wild. Um, but it, things have changed. Um, and I have not kept up with, with those live chat widgets, unfortunately. Right. Okay. You literally about, you could go start another business or maybe we should just build that six, six questions about live chat. Uh, okay. At unreal fields, we sell footwear and have seen a major decrease on sales following your idea of community building. What kind of content content can we deliver that could help on that right now? Well, so, uh, a lot of like outdoor stuff and gym replacement and exercise stuff sells really well right now. So if you have shoes where you could, uh, like, let's say you choose and you can apply them to trail running and then you could create educational or inspirational content around trail running. So like, all right, if you've got a product that you know could sell, but isn't selling at the moment, it's probably a matter of positioning. So if you can make it, um, an aspirational or inspirational good, like, Hey, you know, use this time to, to get fit, spend some time in nature. Like I'd love the, this trail running example for that reason. Um, but that's, that's what I would do is just try and add, change the positioning and add a story to it. That's compelling. Um, and ideally, you know, it's genuine and authentic and that like you make it your own story and then that becomes your social media content. Okay. Give me a, somebody wants a good example. They, um, are there any Shopify site? Who do you think does a great job with uh, branding? Like you got to pick a gorgeous, if I'm like, Kurt, I'm going to go design a new, a, a new Shopify store. Give me a role model. Like, you know, in, in B2B, like I'm going to go look at what MailChimp's doing, what Envision is doing. Who are the e-commerce brands that you point people towards that, that do a great job? All right. I'll give you two, one that I built and one that I did not build. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, AdamsPolishes.com for one that I built. Uh, their their branding, their messaging, their user experience is is extraordinary and inspirational. But I did develop that theme. Um, the and then the other one that I love that I always go back to that I had nothing to do with and I wish I had is Chubby's Chubby Shorts um, Chubby's.com. Love it. All right. Two good examples. Okay. This question is from uh, Noah Kagan. Uh, hi, Noah. What do I do if my store is not selling something essential right now? I added the right now part. So by essential, are we saying like you're unable to fulfill it? Uh, I have no idea. Let's go with, let, let, let's go with like, you're, you're not selling something that's essential. I think like, you know, you're, maybe you're selling like puzzles or, or something that's nice to have at home right now. But that, well, that example, both of those do really well, right? Like that, we know there's a lot of non-essential things that are selling really well at the moment. All right, let me, let me, let me try to do it this way. What if, um, you know, I, I, I love, I love sneakers and, and now is not the time for me to go spend $200 on a pair of sneakers. So what, what do I do if like I'm selling maybe a, a higher ticket item that that's really like something that people don't really need right now? Okay. Okay. So for, I like the sneaker example. Because what you could do then is sell um, cheaper because that's a uh, it's a discretionary spend. It's a high dollar item potentially, like two hundred bucks on sneakers is more than most people are going to pay, especially right now. Um, so I would look for accessories, maybe like lower, much lower average order value, but high margin accessories that are related to the category that you could sell. Or maybe you know, potentially you have stuff that you can uh, pivot and, or change the positioning on. So a great example 
uh, is KeySmart, key, uh, GetKeySmart.com. And they sell a keychain organizer that uh, a lot of people bought because they used it like when they went running. So it's, it's like it's, they're impacted just like everybody else. So their, their sales went down on, on most of their stuff. But then they also sell uh, an accessory item. And it was a keychain stylus. And the owner's dad had, so we've got an anecdote here. The owner's dad was immunocompromised um, earlier this year. And so he said, hey, you know, I use that stylus so that I don't have to touch like um, pin pads, ATM machines, elevator buttons. And they thought, oh, that's interesting. So they made uh, Instagram and Facebook ads around it, updated the product description, and now they can't keep them in stock. So it went from this thing that no one was buying just by changing the the usage of it to positioning and the examples and the the advertising um, to suddenly like that's going to be their bestseller. So you may have something you could sell and just don't know it. I also think the opportunity is to like, to address that right now, now is not the time that you might be buying a $200 pair of shoes. So that's why we made this new mini series of vlog about, you know, sneakerheads and what they do. Like maybe you have to shift and, and, and focus on building, uh, building an audience right now, if it's not the time to sell something. Um, I like that. Yeah. If you're in a position where you absolutely can't sell. Yeah. Well, I like that. Idea. What if you go, all right, what if we told the stories of our best customers? That's really cool. Like think about, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, there's, there's like, uh, what is, what is ESPN doing right now? What are all the sports outlets doing right now? Like, there's nothing to cover, and so they're all going back and like replaying the, the hits, replaying the archives, right? Yeah, like ESPN, they're doing best of. They're, they're, do, they're doing the best of. So like, is that an opportunity for you to to showcase your best customers, right? Do it, do top ten lists, you know, top five sneakers for spring if we're ever allowed to get outside, like, and turn it into a whole, like, it could be funny, like, th- there's an opportunity to do that. I think a lot of people are looking for uh, quarantainment, right? So you can make like you can make good content, and you could, but you could still address it as like this is what we would be doing in an alternate universe kind of thing. Well, I I think like so it's not toned up. You got to address it up front. Because there's two things like this is something like we've been talking about a lot over and over recently. But like whether people are buying or not, no matter what's happening in the world, human people always are going to want education and entertainment, and so like. Your opportunity, you can provide that, and in some time, sometimes they they can be two in one, like a, a documentary about uh, Warren Warren Buffett as a great documentary. That that's an educational and entertaining, and so you can be you can be both. I, I love that you said quarantainment. Um, I think it makes it easy to think about like what content you need to provide right now. Uh, this is a good one because it it fits me. This is for um, men uh, five feet eight and and under. So that's that's perfect. How tall are you, Kurt? I have no idea. I am uh, exactly six feet. Though most people uh, assume I'm shorter, you, and I don't know why. You would you would be exactly six feet. I just that's exactly what. I, <laughs> not six one, not not five ten. Exactly six feet. All right. Here's this question from Sarah. We have an older audience. They're forty five and up, and a product that isn't inherently shareable. We make clothes for men five eight and under. How do we get user generated content? Is it important, or is something like reviews the equivalent of social proof for that age? Well, if you have a, an audience that identifies themselves like in one particular way, such as like a, a man who is five, eight or under and wants to dress well, that automatically that's a niche. That's an audience. That's um, someone who has a, a common interest in life experience. 
So user generated content for them, not only is going to be just as important, um, it's probably going to be more effective than just on like general consumer product goods. And certainly with clothes where you know the biggest objection is, well, how is this going to fit on me? How is this going to look? That's user generated content just around fit would be dramatic in increasing um, conversion rate because you're busting that objection. So if it's like, all right, here's a picture of someone and they tell you this is my height, weight, and the size I'm wearing. Well, that makes it so much easier to figure out which is the size for you confidently. Yeah, I think... James is 100%. I hundred percent. I think, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect use for user generated content, right? Like this is such a niche of a type of per I'm, we're look. this is for men five, eight and under. Right. And I think like your website, what if your website was the equivalent of like Glossier, which is just all like regular people wearing their makeup products. Like why can't it just be, look at these regular looking people on our website. Like this is not models. These are not, and not everyone is six two, right. And, and perfectly ripped. Like these are just a bunch of regular people in our clothes because that's who people want to buy from. Hey, I know these people, these people look like me. I trust them. Yeah, cool. Like this is for me. I actually think it's a great opportunity for user generated content and, and people are willing to, people are so willing to share content today. Like I just, I never believe that objection that like my customers won't do it because everyone, my customers, customers are different and special. Yeah. Well, every one of your customers right now is, is holding, is using this for three hours a day. And so like, and we're all taking a million photos. And so to, to think that you can't incentivize someone to take a picture of themselves in your clothes, I think a hundred percent that could be a campaign. Do, do a giveaway, right? Like, Hey, um, we're, we're going to, we're going to give two people, you know, uh, a free, whatever pants. And I don't even know the industry. Right. But like say for whoever sends us pictures, I think that would be killer for, for UGC. I think the larger, the larger lesson that I caught in what you just said, and you recapped it brilliantly, um, is, in your marketing, on your website, you should be holding up the mirror, right? So I want to see my, especially buying clothes, like I want to see myself reflected in that site. That's going to help me relate to it. And that's what's going to make me comfortable buying it. So that's why like one of our number one conversion rate tactics is survey your customers and then figure out how they talk about your products and how they see themselves and then update headlines and product copy using those key phrases that people use because how you talk about your products may not be how your customers talk about those products. So and like taking it a step further, when you've got photos of people, real people wearing the stuff that they submitted voluntarily. Wow. That really does help hold up the mirror and help me see myself and get comfortable with it. Yep. I, 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 so I've done a bunch of these webinar things and I got to tell you that a lot of times we manufacture questions, but this is like, I'm blown away by the level of quality of, and I'm going through so many of these. It's not just like, how do I capture emails? It's like, these, these are people who have real questions. So it's, it's cool to see it. Okay. This one is from, uh, we probably have time for like two more and I'm, I'm trapped in my wife and I's closet. And I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, being uh, in the closet smart. Cause you don't get, uh, there's no room noise. There's no echo. Well, it, okay. So the real reason that I'm in here is that we did this. We did. We started this at two o'clock, and my daughter. We have two kids. My daughter wakes from her wakes up from her nap at like one forty-five, and for some reason, I'm the only one that can get her, and she freaks out if she if she sees me and I'm not getting her. So I had to basically hide like I'm not here right now. <laughs> so that's why. I'm in the, um. No, I, right. I have a three-year-old at home as well, so I'm familiar with their their bizarre demands. 
Unbelievable. I've just been being, I'm, I, I, I'm going on week four of being bossed around um, by my, my yeah, team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do two more. Kevin, uh, this is from Kevin. During this crisis, we're, we're running a buy one, give one. Basically, for every item purchased, we'll donate an item to local hospitals to help provide healthcare workers with clean clothing to change into after their shifts. How do we push this offer without sounding like we're trying to make money off it? This is a great question. Well, that's why you lead with the offer. I mean, you know, uh, you know that this is top of mind for a lot of people. So you lead with that. We're like, number one, you go, hey, this is what we're doing. But I, this, the other part of it is you need to make sure that it's very genuine. Like spell out the details of your program. Hey, here's who we're donating to. Here's how often we're donating. That's what's going to make it seem legitimate and, and trustworthy. And if you like, could make a video around it of you dropping the stuff off at a hospital, whatever it takes to prove to people that you are actually following through and this is not just lip oh. service, that's what's going to make it work. I don't think it's necessarily... The, I don't think the objection is necessarily that like, oh, they're just trying to make a quick buck by donating to charity. No, I don't think that's it. I think it's, well, are they actually doing what they say? I, 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 I love that idea so much because that's how you do it. Look, make a two minute video, like literally hold up the phone and say, all right, so here's what we want to do right now to give back. And I'm making this video because I want to let you know that this is real and we're behind this. Ready? Come with me. Get in the car, go to the hospital, drop it off, show that you're a real person, show that you're emotional, show your face. Like I also think like one of the reasons why I love making videos that are really not high production at all with my iPhone in a closet or walking is because like that's the that, that's the most authentic way people can hear my message other than like my words, right? And when you actually have to see someone's face, you can actually feel that. And so I think like right now is the time to get on camera more than you normally would. And that could be record an iPhone video and send that out to your customer list because that's going to be so much more appealing than like a, a generic email that you're going to send. And I think like to your point, a lot of people are going to use, well, you know, uh, as an excuse, they're going to say, I, the, the quality's not good. I don't know what I'm doing. Think about this. Al Roker on the Today Show is doing the weather from his kitchen for the last three weeks. Stephen Colbert is doing the late show from his house. Uh, uh, what's the other? Jimmy Kimmel's doing the late show from his house, right? Doing, so if those guys on national TV are doing these home broadcasts with like AirPods and a webcam, Okay, so then what's your excuse, right? I also, I also think like that's gonna you're gonna build better relationships with them because then you didn't just see polished Jimmy Kimmel in a black tux every night, like you Make saw him real. with his iPhone. Like I, 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 yeah, my my wife and I were watching uh, Bravo Bravo TV the other night, and it's Andy Cohen uh, with his headphones and like on his couch. You're like, wait a second, he he looks just like me in, in sweatpants. Like this is this is perfect. Uh, all right, we're gonna do we're gonna do one more, one more. Doo, doo, doo. Uh, I want to pick a really good one. Okay, we sell. I think this is. I think you work with a couple interesting brands in this space. So let's let's see what you answer. This this question is from Michelle. We sell American-made products. What message can we send right now to help bring awareness to American jobs and to help with the economy? Well, I think I think it's top of mind for a lot of people. So you may be able to talk around the issue. You know, like week after week, we're seeing record jobless numbers. I don't think anyone is um, immune to that, to, to that reality. So you don't have to necessarily define the need and importance of it. You can just state what you do. 
you could say, hey, like by um, you know by uh, by buying our American Apparel, by buying this T-shirt, you are supporting X number of American jobs that went into you know making, marketing, packaging, and shipping it. So if you just spell that out, they have their reason if that matters to them. You don't need to convince them that that matters. And they know why you're saying it without you having to say explicitly, because this is important to the economy right now. Like I, one of the most brilliant ads I've seen recently is from Little Caesars Pizza, where they said, hey, our pizza is cooked in a 600 degree oven and then transferred directly into a box without human hands. They didn't say anything else. They know exact. We all know what the subtext there was. They just gave you just enough info where you put that together yourself in your head. So I think you could do the same thing by saying, like, this is what your purchase helps support this many jobs. Okay, love it. We got one more. Let's see. Okay, how would you promote your store if you're just launching it? That's a that's a heck of a question to answer in two minutes. Let's see if you can do it. Oh my gosh. Um, so, well, number one, Facebook ads are cheaper than ever. So you can start experimenting those with, if you want. But the trick is, I think the, the fast track, the safer option is going to be to try and leverage other people's audiences. So if you can get yourself in front of other people's audiences, be it through you know, maybe a brand collaboration where you could, like that would be a, a really great way to go about it. Um, or, uh, you know, co-marketing opportunities. That's the stuff I would look for right now. I think that, that would be the fast track. Um, and, and maybe there are other beginning brands in your space. Like I wouldn't, um, a rising tide lifts all boats. So don't think of them as competitors. Start looking for people who share an audience with you where you can work together to develop a marketing synergy. Yeah. I love it. All right, Kurt, this was, this was amazing. Um, we got to go for a bunch of different reasons, but we're going to, we're going to republish this on the e-commerce marketing show podcast. So go and check that out. And also make sure if you're not already listening to Kurt's show, unofficial Shopify podcast, you go and do that. Thank you for these amazing questions. Uh, yes, we're going to send out the recording and otherwise we'll talk to you all later. Kurt, thanks for joining me in my closet today. I hope you have a good rest of the day. Thanks, thanks for having me. I hope you escape your closet. Thank you.